today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. the activity of those who appear to be so spiritual, catch this please, all the activities for those that appear to be so spiritual, if they don't have the true love of God flowing through them to the people around them, church, what does it amount to? Nothing. Zero Zilch, nada, nothing. With Pastor David, we explore the most popular emotion in our culture today, love. Love is idolized and portrayed in all manners of art and music. However, our culture's obsession with romantic love lacks the depth of love found in the Bible. For a biblical view of love, we need to look to God who is our standard. The word for God's love is agape, and God's love is unconditional and more profound than attraction or kindness. The love of God is never failing, patient, and saves us for all eternity. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Agape. We've been going through this study in 1 Corinthians for a while. We're actually in a relatively short chapter tonight. We're in chapter 13. So if you got your Bibles, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When you think about it, Paul is really using quite a bit of time in the midst of the discussion that we're in right now. He's using three chapters out of the 16 chapters that are in 1 Corinthians just dealing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Three whole chapters he's dealing with that, chapter 12, 13, and 14. And again, uh, he wants to make sure that the church in Corinth had a good and a clear understanding what these gifts of the Holy Spirit are all about. And then, and I believe also for you and I today, he wants the same thing. Because again, the word coming, and, and it's available to us today, the word, the truth that's there, still valid for us today. Uh, in the midst of this big, long discussion of uh, listing of a portion of the gifts, and you remember as we've gone through this study, what we have here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is only a portion of the gifts. Romans chapter 12 has some gifts listed. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 has some gifts listed. All of those written by Paul, none of those lists uh, are identical, so it opens up the understanding for us that even out of Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, we don't have a list of all the gifts, to come up and say, well, gee, my, my, what I think that I'm gifted with isn't on there. Hey, let God use you in the area and the strengths that you have. And don't worry about putting a name tag on it. Just be available for the Lord to use you when and where the need arises. Well, 
the midst of all this, Paul is now going to draw our attention to, as he ends chapter 12, moving into chapter 13, a very significant element in this whole idea of the gifts, the most excellent way. He says, let me show you a more excellent way. And that way is the importance of love, the importance of love. A very old song, a very old song says um, that love is a many splendored thing. Uh, I didn't know the song. My parents did, but uh, <laughs> hey, gotta gotta do what I can here. The number of songs about love, I mean, it's almost limitless. I mean, in in my era, uh, would be uh, the Beatles, and they sang, "All you need is love. Love is all you need." But we look at that and we realize that's not quite where we're going with this. Not only songs, but there's poems, there's artistic expressions, there's dramas, plays, movies, all of these things with that reference of love, with the whole idea and the thought of something about love. I I did a quick Google search about love. Now, if you're going to do a Google search about love, make sure you have a filter on your computer, okay? Uh, Because not everything that uh, is love is, you know, uh, worthy of looking at. Catch this, in 0.68 seconds... Point six, less than, I mean, just barely over half a second. I got 6,910,000,000 references to the word love. So love is in the air. <laughs> love is everywhere. I think I might write a song or so. But, but again, that's not the love that we're speaking about here in 1 Corinthians. We'll talk about that love in a moment. But here in 1 Corinthians, the love that we're speaking about comes from the Greek word agape or agapeo. And again, whole different meaning of all the words that are used within the Greek language to be translated as love. Agape is the one Greek word that speaks of the kind of love, a love that uh, loves undeservingly. A love that is self-sacrificing, a love that is complete, a love that's unrestrained, a love that's without any limits and without any kind of expected return. It's the only Greek word really that they had at that point in time that could even begin to describe the love of God. And how many words do we have for love, gang? One. And so when we say that God loves you, we think, well, yeah, God loves me, my wife loves me, my dog loves me, you know, my mom loves me, but it's not the same kind of love, and we need to understand that. We need to have a, a firm grasp on that, on what the difference is between the love of a husband and wife, of a love of, of a brother to, to a brother, friends, excuse me, friends to friends, the difference between what the love of God is for us. Again, of all the Greek words available, They had one word, eros, E-R-O-S, and that was primarily a physical or a sexual love. It's not even in our New Testament, that particular Greek word. Another word is phileo, and again, that's a natural type of affection, more of a a feeling uh, that, that a person would have for another. I just really care about you, concerned about you. That's used about 25 times within the New Testament. The word Philadelphia, you know, we got the city, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's what Philadelphia means, the love of a brother. And that's used about five times within our New Testament. 
Philia is friendship, friends, uh, buddies, uh, partners, uh, BFFs, uh, whatever you want to call them. Again, that's only used actually once, and that's in James 4, 4. Then there's another word, uh, storge, and storge is a, a natural affection actually between family members, relatives, that again, uh, brothers and families and cousins, that kind of a love. Again, it, it appears within our New Testament, but only in uh, compounds with other words. It doesn't show it by itself. By far, the most frequent word that's used within the New Testament is that word agape. And again, that is much more than just goodwill, much more than just care, much more than, than a physical time. It is a deep, absolute caring concern, I would use the word completely consuming type of love. Not that the one who is loving is consumed, but the one who is loved is consumed by that love. So God's love for you and I means that we are literally consumed in that love. We can look and say, oh, man, I, I love your eyes. Oh, I, 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 I love your smile. I, I love the way you help me. I, I love the way you dance. I love, no, no. anyway, uh, you could uh, get into all kinds of things, but God's love for us is all-consuming, everything about us. And yet at the same time, true agape deals very frankly and straightforward with the weaknesses that we have, and the failures that we have, and yeah, even the wickedness that we at times are involved in. Because of the greatness of his love, and because of who God is, God knows everything about us, and catch this, guys, he knows everything about us, and yet he loves us totally unconditionally. That's why it's so bizarre Whenever we fall, whenever we stumble, whenever we sin, and we don't want to go to God with that. I don't want to confess this. I, I'm drawn back away from God. Why? Because we're embarrassed about it, because we're, we're ashamed of it, because we, we, we've asked him to forgive us in the past. You know what? God knows it all anyway. He knows it, and he just waits for us to come to him with that broken and that contrite heart. And the word says, that broken and contrite heart, he will in no wise cast out. The love of God, powerful, powerful. Paul tells us here in the opening verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that actually without agape love, without it, we are in essence a bothersome nuisance, okay? We finished with this actually last time we were in this study, the, the first couple of verses here in chapter 13. But I want to look back at it one more time quickly to bring everybody up to speed. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes to the church, he, and he's writing to you and I. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have agape love, I've become as a sounding brass and, and a clanging cymbal. And though I might have the gift of prophecy and, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith and so as to, I, I could remove mountains. If I don't have love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all of my gifts to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. 
Now, let me stop right here, and before we even get into this verse, let me help you to understand. You, in and of yourself, you can't even begin to have agape love. You can't even begin to, because people will fail you. You, you will pour, pour your heart out to, to someone. You will surrender yourself completely to someone, and they will fail you. And some of you have experienced that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Our love is, the, the human love is a conditional love at its very best. Because even in the greatest of our loves, it is still conditional upon situations and consequences that, that might surround that. The only way that you and I could ever have and ever experience and ever give agape love is under the control and under the filling of the Holy Spirit within our lives. So God then loves through us to the unlovely. God loves then through us to those that don't deserve it. God then loves through us to those that have faulted us and come against us and attacked us. God loves through us as we've completely surrendered our will to his will, as we day by day die in Christ, God then can love through us in a way that you and I could never, ever do it ourselves. And that's why Paul is saying, hey, you know what? You might have all the gifts. Man, you might be able to prophesy. You might have words of wisdom. You might have words of knowledge. You might have faith enough to say, man, mountain be moved, and boom, that mountain is moved And yet, if you don't have love for the people that are around you, and if you're not moving in love, it's it's nothing. It's absolutely useless in the kingdom of God. You think, oh man, but I've done powerful things within the kingdom. I've seen this happen. I've seen that happen. I've counseled. I've I've directed. And man, we, we, we believe God and we've seen God do marvelous stuff. But you know what? If we're not truly working and moving through that agape love that God gives us only when we are fully and completely surrendered to him, it then becomes an act of religion. It becomes an act of ceremony, an act of ritual that isn't what God wants. He doesn't want a sacrifice. He wants a broken and a contrite heart. Paul says, even though I bestow all my goods, I feed the poor, and even though I give my body to be burned. There's some that think that during this first century, because many were actually losing their lives in martyrdom, that many thought that, that during that time that some people actually were going to the authorities and, and declaring, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand for Christ, I'm not gonna worship Caesar. And almost at a point of surrendering themselves to be martyred. And when Paul says, though I give my life to be burned, hey, I'm gonna stand for Christ no matter what. And if I don't have love for others, you see, if it's only in a vertical thing, well, we found out last time we were in the study, the vertical cannot be right if the horizontal is not right. God won't receive the vertical if we're not dealing and working with the horizontal. We might say, oh, but I love God, but these people, you know, uh, you know uh, I love God, but man, I hate that guy. That, that, that's a paradox. I mean, that's, that cannot be. As a matter of fact, uh, the word over and over tells us, you know, John tells us, First John tells us about that. Man, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, then you're not, you're not dealing with reality. So again, the importance of that, and you can't do it yourself. The only way that you can do it is when you are living your life wholly and completely surrendered to Christ. So what does that say? Well, my first 
requirement as a believer is to live a surrendered life. And I don't think that any of you would argue about that reality, that we need to live our lives surrendered to Christ. That's why Jesus says, man, unless you're willing to die, unless you're willing to take up your cross and die daily, you know, you're not going to be following me. You're not worthy of the kingdom. Wow, those are hard words. But you know what? It's because of the greatness of his love for us that he wants us to get it right. If he didn't love us so much, he wouldn't give that kind of a direction. But because he loves us so much and because he wants us to walk in harmony and in union with him, he says, look, here's the line, guys. You say that you love me, but it's got to be much more than just words. There's got to be actions to it. It's got to be surrendered. Again, I, I bounce back to James, and people say, well, uh, James and Paul, they're, they're on two separate directions. And man, you know, Paul is all about grace, and James is all about works. No, what James is saying is, because you have grace, this is how you ought to be living. And I don't think Paul would argue about that at all. As a matter of fact, much of what Paul declares and speaks about is that we ought to live our lives for his glory, that we ought to be living our lives according to the calling that's ours. We ought to be living our lives in a way that brings honor to the Lord. So here, Paul has spoken about several gifts. He spoke about tongues of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, he talked about words of wisdom. If I understand all mysteries, he talks about prophecy. He talks about knowledge. If I have all knowledge, if I have all faith, all of those things, if I don't have the agape, it amounts to empty and annoying words and actions. Noises that symbols amount to, and it's nothing. All the activity of those who appear to be so spiritual, catch this please, all the activities for those that appear to be so spiritual, if they don't have the true love of God flowing through them to the people around them, church what does it amount to? Nothing. Zero, zilch, nada, nothing. I'm so active, man. I'm so involved. And man, I'm doing this. And if we don't have love, it's nothing. Okay, so let's move on. Move into what, what, <laughs> what they call the love chapter, okay? And uh, some would think, well, that's almost synonymous with, well, you got the love chapter, you got the love boat, you got the love machine. No, no, again, it's totally different. That's the world's attitude, the world's understanding. And again, you can't not, you know, even begin to equate those with true agape love. Paul, in verse 4, he says, love, that agape kind of love working in and through us, suffers long. That agape kind of love of God that works through us because we're surrendered to him is kind. That agape kind of love that only comes by his empowerment does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own and it's not provoked and it thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then the beginning of verse 8, love never fails. Love never fails. How many of you have been in uh, wedding services where 1 Corinthians 13 was read or used during the service? Yeah, 
It's a beautiful passage. I understand that. But gang, it's not a marriage passage. It's the direction, it's the understanding for you and I as believers. It's not my love for my wife that it's speaking about here. It's my love for George. Okay, get that rolling in your head, okay? <laughs> it's not your love for your spouse. It's your love for your brother or your sister in Christ. How you and I ought to be living on a daily basis. That's what's called here. That's beautiful as a wedding. And, and yes, my, my wife was my sister in the Lord long before she was my wife. And so absolutely it all counts for that. But don't limit it only to matrimony, okay? This is life for the believer. It's, it's called for you and I. Where it says it suffers long in my version, your version might say that it's patient. A little bit later, my, still in verse four, where it says, uh, my, my verse says in New King James Version, says doesn't parade itself. Yours might say it doesn't boast. Uh, mine says is not puffed up. Yours might say it's not arrogant. I think uh, down there where it says thinks no evil, it keeps no record of wrong. So there's a few kind of differences with different translations, but in essence, they are all saying the same thing, and we'll look at those. So this is how we're to respond to each other, not only how we're to respond to each other when, 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 when Bruce is doing all the right stuff and, man, we're on good friendships and, and man, our, our love for each other, it's working the way Christ has called for it. But when I blow it and I offend Bruce, you know what? He's still supposed to love me that same way. It still goes that same way. That's why it's agape love and not uh, phileo or Philadelphia kind of love. or storge kind of love. It's not that kind of love. The agape kind of love says that we take all of these things and in the midst of the failures of the people around us, that's how we live. And the reason we know that is because, look, I don't have to be patient with you if you're doing fine. I don't have to be long-suffering with you if everything's managed, it's working out good and we're doing good. But you know what? When you blow it and when you, you, you've said things or you've done things that have offended me, I can take an offense or I can go back to the Word of God and the Word says, no, I don't take an offense. Why? Because I'm dead to myself and Christ is living in me. And because the love of God flows through me, even in the midst of that offense, I'm called by God to be long-suffering and patient and, and, and on and on. We'll get into those. Now, gang, I fully understand. We, we look at this, and when we come to a clear understanding of what this means, I'm brought to the Proverbs 31 woman, okay? You know the Proverbs 31 woman? How many of you ladies are Proverbs 31 women? You think, oh, you know, yeah, I've made that. Does that make it wrong? Does that make it not right? Does that make it not true? No, but it does make it a goal, I think, a goal. And we we reach for that goal. And in the same way, when we look at all this, man, I could go through each one of these things and I could tell you how I've blown probably each one of them just this week. Does it make it any less important? Does it make it any less effective and necessary? No, it just means that I've failed to allow the Spirit of God to work through me in dealing with my brothers and sisters. And so, again, we move on from there with that understanding. There's no doubt that each one of us are going to fail in some, if not all, of these areas. However, that doesn't lessen the truth of the description and the definition of what true agape is. That's what it is. That's where we ought to be 
aiming for, but we cannot do it on our own strength. We can only do it as we are surrendered completely to the Spirit of Christ. That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share with you how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are thankful you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Here's Pastor David with more information. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande for a time of worship and fellowship and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning and on Wednesday and Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.